Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message continues our series on love with Pastor Omar Lopez in a message entitled, Love is Patient. Enjoy this message. Well, you can be seated this morning. What a wonderful presence of the Lord. We give him all the glory, right? And we appreciate all of you being here today. We're going to have a wonderful time and we're going to continue this love series that we've been talking about. And in fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place, at the right time, right now. That's right. And so uh, I'm telling you, I believe God is, has something for us today. And uh, we welcome any uh, first-time visitors, anyone here for the very first time. We, we're glad you're here. And those that are watching online, we just uh, appreciate you being here. And I know you could be a lot of other places, but... You decided to come to the house of God, and so we appreciate you doing that. Uh, this morning, I'm going to continue. Uh, I've I just been getting some great feedback from all of you, and many of you have been telling me you've enjoyed this series, so we're going to continue our love series through March. Is that all right? Are you going to keep doing it? <clears throat> and uh, we've been talking about what, what love is, and sometimes love can seem upside down or backwards, however you want to say it. And so I'm going to read a verse of scripture, a very, the very first description of love is found here in 1 Corinthians 13, 4. And it simply says this, and I'm going to pray. It says, love is patient. Love is patient. So let's pray as we go into this and dive into this message today. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, God, that you've been patient with us. We thank you for love. God, uh, love is who you are. And if we are going to describe you, God, you're a God of love. And so, Father, today I pray the love of God will flow throughout the service today. I pray, God, that you'd open every heart and every mind to receive the word of God. Remove all the distractions that weigh on us today. Help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit as I declare your word today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I appreciate you, uh, all of you being here today. And again, I'm going to talk about love is patient. If you could turn the monitor slightly down, I feel like I'm in a tunnel somehow. And so if you can help me with that, that would be awesome. Uh, But the Bible says love is patient. And there is no argument when we think about the greatest prize that we can have in life is love. How many appreciate love? I mean, we, we love, uh, you know, I said we love, we, we enjoy being loved, we enjoy giving love, uh, but the Bible constantly is talking about how great love is. In fact, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, uh, thou, the, these three remain, it talks about faith, hope, and love. He said, but the greatest is love. The greatest is love. And so, sad to say as much as love is so urgent, as much as love is so needed and so important, sometimes it's frequently missed, even in the church of God. Even in people of faith, they seem to lack this love. And so Paul the apostle is writing to the church here in Corinth, called the Corinthians, but there it's a church in Corinth. And this church has all of these wonderful things happening. They have various giftings. They have wonderful speakers. Uh, They have all of these wonderful things that are happening in the church, a highly gifted church, highly blessed church. Uh, But Paul sees the need 
to talk about love because love, if love is missing, it equals zero. You can be a Christian, you can be a believer, you can know the Bible, you can have all this knowledge, but if you don't have love, it equals zero. And so Paul begins to lay down what love is. And again, the love chapter is 1 Corinthians 13. He begins to give us a definition of love. But more than a definition, he's giving us a description. And so really, when Paul begins to write what love is, he's giving us a description of love. Technically, it's not even defining love. He's giving us a description of love. And he's talking about how love is a choice. Love is an activity. Love is something that we do. And love is not something that we don't do, but we put it into action. And he talks about that love needs to be something that we begin to engage in And really, it's an action word. Say action. And so here's a couple of things that the Bible says here. Or in the English language, sometimes it could be misinterpreted. Because Paul begins to say, love is this, love is not that. And in the English language, I'll give you a little bit of English class. Is that all right? They're called adjectives in our our understanding. In other words, an adjective is the word that describes or modifies words. For instance, I could say, you live in the house. But if I modify it and add an adjective, I can say you live in a beautiful house. So that's an adjective. But Paul, the apostle, when he writes this uh, in the Greek, it's a verb. It's not an adjective. In other words, it's an action word. It's describing something. So love only is, is applied when it acts. It's something that is an action word. So something that we are building, something that we're doing, uh, it's an action word. It's not an adjective. We're not trying to make it glamorous. It's something that we do, and it's something that we put into action. And the greatest example of love is God. How many can say amen to that? In fact, when you begin to read about the, the description of who God is, God is very patient. Uh, another description, it, it takes a long time to boil. So how many have ever met someone with a short fuse? God has a long fuse. Uh, in fact, if you read another, the King James Version, it said, instead of saying love is patient, it says love is long-suffering, which means patient. So when you're impatient, you're unloving. I said when you're impatient, you're unloving. Nobody said amen to that. Everybody just kind of quiet. Uh, when you're patient with your kids, you're showing love. When you're patient with your wife, you're demonstrating love. When you're patient with friends, you're demonstrating love. The greatest example of love is when you're patient with people. Impatience really is unloving. I was reading a story about this little boy that was standing next to an escalator. And he was watching the handrails going Around and around. Salesperson came and noticed that this little boy had been standing there a little while. And so the salesperson came up to him and said, are you lost? He said, nope. He said, what are you doing? Well, I'm waiting for my chewing gum to come back down the rail. (laughs) That's patience. Waiting for that chewing gum to come back around. Could you imagine? (laughs) That's, That's a lot of patience right there. But a simple definition of patience is really when we experience a bump in a row when we experience some problems in life and it's how we react. Do we react impatient or are we patient? 
Because oftentimes, what you display is really a default mechanism. When things aren't going your way, when things aren't happening the way you want them to, how do you react? What's your default mechanism? And so I want to take a little survey. Can we just be honest here today? I need you to participate a little bit. And so I'm going to ask you how you react to impatient. If I'm describing you, I want you to raise your hand. Say, that's me. That's That's what I do. Can we be honest in church today? Some of you are going to have to probably keep your hand up for a while, or you may lift it up a couple of times, okay? So uh, let's just be honest. How many of you, when you're impatient, you get verbal, you raise your voice a little bit? You may even scream, all right, we got some honest people here. How many of you, okay, before you answer the question, okay, just hear what I'm going to say, you get physical, Now I'm not talking about with other people, I'm just talking about you, you bang a little bit, you shake a little bit, how many of you kind of do that? All right. How many of you get hypertension? In other words, your blood pressure goes up, and that little vein, you know, comes off your forehead, and neck. it scares kids. Kids get scared when they see it. Okay. How many of you get, like, frustrated? You know, the car horn becomes the weapon. Eee, you know, or, uh, you know, some of you need to raise your both hands. Yeah. Uh, you, some of, how many of you, you pout? You get moody. You, some of you even get the silent treatment, Right? Right? How many of you, see, we got some honest people here. How many of you get judgmental? In other words, you blame, you get mad, and you point at others. Some of you do, okay. How many of you just get so mad you grab a phone or a magazine and you go in the restroom and lock yourself in there because you're just getting mad? All right. So if you didn't raise your hand, uh, again, just shine your halo, spread your wings. this, this This message doesn't apply to you. Okay, it applies to the rest of us. Uh, how many of you at least raised your hand twice? How, about, how many raised at least three times? All right, there's some honest people. How many ne- know somebody next to you that should have raised their hand? Okay, point at them. No, don't, don't point at them. Don't, like, you're turning around over here. No, don't, don't do that. So, uh, you know, I got you laughing, right? You guys are cracking up. I'm talking about impatience. And that's the thing. I can get you laughing about it, but sometimes it's hard to admit it. And sometimes in our prayer, uh, we're not admitting it. Sometimes in our life, we're, we're not looking at ourselves because uh, there are a lot of things that can make us impatient. Traffic, our children, right? Uh, you know, being late somewhere, you know, our our teenagers, you know, all of these different things. So patience is very vital to relationships. And if you're going to have good, healthy relationships with people, and if you're going to have strong relationships, long-lasting relationships, you've got to learn to be patient. Because if you're not patient, you're not going to have very many relationships in your life. You're going to find that your life is very a small circle. I've met people, they have a small circle of friends because you're very impatient. And there's only so many people you tolerate and shame on you because love is patient. Oh, I'm preaching now. So I want to show you kind of, since we got everybody laughing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a video here, clip of Will Ferrell, and he gets a little impatient. So why don't we show that video? Ooh, I don't know. The Irish cream sounds good, huh? What's that? Uh, it's cream and it's, uh, it's Irish. Hurry up and order. Excuse me. Thank you. 
Um, how about a smoothie? What's in that? Smoothie's a juice drink. We want coffee. Buddy, relax. No, you relax. I'm a regular here. This line needs to move. I beg your pardon. Do you have scones? Tall, non-fat, double latte. Sir, you're at the back of the line. I recognize that. Cut it out or you're out of here. You can't kick me out. You know what? You're, you're really invading my ear space. Look, I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. Do you have a card? Do you have a card? No, I don't have Does a card. anyone here have a card? We don't have frequent drinker cards. It's a video club card. Ah! Zip it there, Sporty Spice. Are we doing this? Oh. Is this happening now? Yeah. Come on, Sorry. Sorry. I'd Let's love do to. it. I'd... You're hurting me. You're hurting me. That's what happens when you get impatient. <laughs> I like her. She goes, oh, let's do this, man. Let's, let's... Are we on? Is this real or what? I love that. Sometimes we get, in, get impatient like Will Ferrell, man, and uh, really can't, you know, and again, I think sometimes it's the testing of our relationship in patience. And isn't it amazing this morning that really the closest people to us we're the most impatient with? Isn't it a shame that those that are close to us that we love, uh, we get the most impatient with? Did anyone this morning, don't raise your hand, get um, impatient this morning just coming to church? You don't have to raise your hand. I see it all the time. You know, they, I can tell something happened at home. They're sitting there angry. They're not worshiping. They're not, they wanted to hit the greeter when they came in. And, and you know, they're mad at everybody. Right? And it, it, it happens all the time. You know, or, or they were waiting for their wife. Did I say that? Who said that? You know, and then... And I can, I can tell there's a problem when the husband's sitting over here and the wife's sitting over there. There was an impatient problem going on this morning. And, and they, they're, they're mad at each other. And so uh, I read this quote. It said, if it weren't for people, life would be fun. <laughs> Why? Because cause we're so impatient with people. I mean, all of these struggles that we're going with. And I've seen it in families. There's, you know, something happening on the way to church. The kid didn't get ready. And there's a wardrobe malfunction. All of these different things happen. And it causes, uh, it triggers a lot of impatience. Uh, and here's a couple of things. You can write this down. The reason why we become impatient many times is because there's a misunderstanding. And we have to realize, let's just be real, we're different. And uh, we're different than the other person. There are differences between us and people. And because of that, we don't realize, we shouldn't say, I shouldn't say I don't realize. But what happens is we get impatient and realize that person's not like you. There are things that they, how they respond differently, what they say differently. And so there's always this misunderstanding. Here's what the scripture says. In 1 Corinthians 2.11, no one can really know what anyone else is thinking or what he is really like except the person himself. So nobody can really understand each other, especially husband and wife. Or Some of you would say, man, you, you, I can't figure out my boss. He's different. Can't figure out this person at work or this relative of yours, uh, all of these things. How many have ever used these phrases? How many used this phrase in the last couple of weeks? I don't understand the way he acts. Why does he do it that way? She doesn't understand me. Man, he's on a different wavelength. She doesn't make any sense. How can that person think that way, right? Man, my parents are another time zone, man. Do I have to tell you 48 times before you do it? 
you know, uh, why won't you talk to me? Why do you get so emotional? So a lot, a lot of you understand what I'm saying, right? A wife said this. This was really good. I, I thought it was interesting. He says, she tells her husband, I, I know you think you understand what you thought I said, but I'm not sure you're aware that what you heard is not what I meant. How do you understand that, right? That could be, could be hard to do. So because we're different, there's misunderstanding. First Thessalonians 5.14, be patient with everyone. How is that even possible? It says, be patient. I mean, Paul is saying, be patient. So there, there the, there's the scripture here that's telling us that we need to be patient. It said, be patient with everyone. That includes everyone that you know. And you have to understand that there's going to be misunderstanding. Now, the reasons why there's some misunderstanding, and you can write this down, is that we make some assumptions about people. We assume that what we say means the same thing to other people. A lot of times what we say to people, they, don't mis- they misunderstand what we we're saying. Uh, many times we use words and they take it differently. They said there's 500 common words in the English language and there's like 30 to 100 different meanings to the same word. So we could be using a word in such a way that the other person understands it differently. There's a word, I believe I'm pronouncing it right, con- 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 connotative, con- con- connotative, connotative, am I saying that right? Con- con- what is it? Connotative, I believe that's the word. Anyway, I thought I had it down, guys. It says con- connotative, connotative. Connotative, I believe it means. But anyway, it, it basically what it means is that when you say a word, that word means something different to that person based on their experience. So let's, for instance, I could say the word abuse, and you may think physical abuse. You may think emotional abuse. Some may think uh, uh, addiction or, uh, or some type of drug abuse, uh, sexual abuse. And so if I say a certain word, you may interpret it differently based on your experience and your emotional time with whatever that word applies to you. So I could say the word cat, and some of you may like cats, okay? I, I don't like cats, but if you like cats, you may think, man, cats are great. Other people would say cats are nasty, they're scratched, the whole thing. If I've offended you again, uh, send it to Pastor Rob. Uh, <laughs> Santiago.com. Any, if I offend you. So uh, um, when it comes to assuming, we assume that our words mean the same thing. We assume that the way we see it is the right way. So that, there's a lot of assumptions there. We think, man, this is logical, and this is the way everybody should see it. And, and when the other person doesn't see it, we think about them, and we say, man, lights are on, but nobody's home. They don't realize what's going on. Why can't you get your act together? Why don't you under? Because you assume your way is the right way, and your way is perfect. Nobody else is, but you are. Or we assume we can figure out people's motives. Oh, I know why they said that. I've had people do that to me. Oh, I know why you said that. I go, no, I, that's not why I said that. You know, and they'll say, yeah, you, you meant this way. And I go, no, you can't. You, you don't know what my motive is. 
And so we, we make assumptions. Pastor said this, he said that, this person said this, and excuse me, and we try to figure out what that person said based upon our assumption that we know what their motives are. I read this quote that says, to dwell above with those who we love, that will be glory. To dwell below with those we know, that's a different story, right? So many times we don't understand each other because we're making assumptions about people's motives. The second thing, you could write this down, life circumstances can cause us to be impatient. There are things that happen in our life that can cause us to be very, very, very impatient. And uh, it could be just personal things. Some of us, uh, you may be dealing with an illness and you're wondering when this illness is going away, when things are going to shift, uh, when is this going to go away. That can cause people to be very impatient. I've, I've talked to many people in church, and they're dealing with battling this illness, and it can cause them to be impatient. A financial situation, you can say, when am I going to dig myself out of this situation? When am I going to get out of this debt that I'm in? Or you can be in a family problem. There can be family issues that are going on in your life, a problem seems to keep going on and on and on again, and it causes you to be impatient. I kind of picture it like a person on a treadmill, and you're wondering when you're going to get off because that thing just keeps turning and turning. That can cause us to be very, very impatient. So circumstances can trigger a lot of impatience. Am I talking to anyone today? Or dumb things can cause us to be impatient. How many of you know people can do dumb things? People that you don't know can do dumb things. And you're wondering, why are they doing this, right? And these are people, you know, it's like I've shared before, the guy in the express line, you know, it says 15 items. And he's got 30, right? And I'm thinking, and I'm counting everything, you know, as he's there. I know you don't do this. And I'm counting, I'm counting the bananas as a bunch, okay? Not six bananas. I'm saying, okay, that's one. That's two. That guy's got 25 things. And I was like, really, dude? Or 30 things? Like, really? I mean, come on. And you're getting a little impatient. Or the person that, you know, it's looked like this the first time they're using a debit card now. I'm, I'm thinking, really? Are you serious? I mean, anybody do, do any of that? I mean, cause you to be impatient? Come on. Yeah. The one that gets me, are you ready for this? You've probably never done it, but, but there's an intersection, and there's two stop signs right here, and this one has no stop sign. I'm driving, and I'm going to make a left turn, but as I'm making a left turn, this guy is assuming he has the stop sign that I'm going to stop, but when I make a left turn, I don't have to stop. I don't have a stop sign. Are you with me? And he's about to hit me. You ever happen to you? I always slow down because I can see their sin. I can see the guy's ready. He thinks I'm going to start. Hold on. I'm going to get an accident here. Anyway, probably that doesn't happen to you. <laughs> or we begin to be impatient because we're overloaded. Our schedule's overloaded. We got too many things going on in our life, uh, too many, and, and there's no flexibility, there's no breathing room, uh, there's no way to get out of it, there's no margin of error, and we are overloaded uh, with a lot of things. Now, I just told you about my driving. 90% of the time, I'm a patient driver. All right. <laughs> Honey, you're laughing. Why? Is that not true? I may have my percentages a little different, Okay. 
about 90% of the time, I'm very patient. <laughs> now, usually I'm not patient when I'm late. Have you ever, you know, been so overloaded and you got a lot of things on your schedule? You got, you know, you got to be there in three minutes, but you know it's going to take you 15 minutes to get there. And you become so impatient. I mean, you're there every, every stoplight, man, every, every red light, man. You're just, man, you're counting the nanoseconds of everything. And the guy in front of you, man, come on, come on, you know. And, and the light's not going to get any greener, man. It's green. Let's go. Let's go. And there's no margin for error. And it triggers all kinds of things. Am I right? You know, and, and so when you become so overloaded, you become impatient. It's like when you get a drink somewhere if you get like a coffee drink and, and they fill it up to the rim and if you ever had that i mean if you just move it just a little bit there's no room for for mo- no margin of error it's going to spill over and that's kind of our lives this morning when our lives are so overloaded so many things uh, it begins to spill over and and it, we get verbal we get mad at people it spills over in frustration uh, we even regret some of our actions we regret some of the things. It becomes tense. And so I, I, I want to just tell you a couple of things this morning to help you. But there's one more thing that causes us to be impatient. And that is the dirty word for some of you. It's expectation. You can write, write that down. Expectation. And what happens is when you live your life filled with expectations, you're, you're going to suffer disappointment. And it's going to deflate your patience because... Your expectations are too high, or sometimes they're unreasonable, or sometimes you need to lower your expectation. Sometimes they're unrealistic expectations, and sometimes it can be every day. Typically, when you have an expectation of another person, that person is going to let you down. I was sharing with the prayer meeting yesterday morning, we all have a flaky side to ourselves. I don't care how perfect you are. We all have once in a while that flaky side shows up and we let people down. You don't answer the text on time. You forgot to call them back. Uh, You you told them you were going to be there and something came up and you didn't show up. How many understand what I'm saying? And so they put this in expectation. Even as a pastor, I've found that I've let people down and I didn't even know it. Because they expected me to respond a certain way. I told pastor this and I thought, and he didn't seem all that excited. Uh, I, I, I expected pastor to say this. I expected pastor to do this. I expected this kind of thing. And so we put this expectation on people. And when they fail us, we become impatient. We become discouraged because you had this expectation that wasn't reasonable. I can tell you, I tell people all the time, you know, I, I love you, but I'm, I tell my friends, but I'm going to let you down at some point. Jesus won't, but I will. And I tell them, and you're going to let me down. And when you do, you're going to become a sermon illustration. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you let me down, don't worry. I'll, I'll make sure to indirectly reference you when I'm preaching. <laughs> no, that's not... What, what I really want to say this morning is because we have this expectation, some of us have an expectation on God, and you feel he let you down. A lot of people that I know that are in church or that have left church feel like God has let them down. They had this expectation 
that God was going to do all of these things, that God was going to fulfill this and do that. And they put this, and when it didn't happen, they feel like God has let them down. And there's no place in Scripture where God makes all of these promises that, that you're not going to ever be sick. There's no promise that you're never going to be sick. There's no promise that there's not going to be sorrow. There's no problem, excuse me, that there's not going to be any problems in your life. That you're never going to cry. There's no problem that there's never going to, there's no promises about there's never going to be death. All of those promises are when you get to heaven. But as long as we live in this earth and it's broken, there's going to be problems. There's going to be brokenness. How many can say amen? In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. Yet people have put this expectation on God. And because God didn't do what they expected, many people walk away from God. Or many people are in church, but they're like living an agnostic lifestyle. They're living as if God doesn't really exist because God lets you down. Somebody say amen. And you've given yourself this permission to say, well, God's irrelevant because he didn't meet your expectation. And that's why expectation is a nasty thing. It's an enemy of patience. I tell people, don't put all these expectations on things because you're going you're gonna to end up with disappointments. It's going to trigger problems in your relationship. And so here's the deal. I want to just say there are things that are beyond your control. And you're going to have to just be patient about it. There are things in your life today that are going to come unannounced. That you're going to be unprepared for. There's going to be roadblocks uh, uh, that are going to hold you back on things. And you just need to believe God. And just say, you know what? Uh, Regardless, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to be patient. I know God's going to come through. I know that somehow God's going to turn it around for the good. How many can say amen? Have you ever met someone that's always patient? Have you met someone, man, there just seems to be a peace over them. There seems to be this calmness over them. Not that they have their act together. Not that there's never a problem. But you know what they've learned? They've learned how to maneuver. They've learned how to navigate through roadblocks without hurting people, without talking about people, without judging people, without condemning people. Are you with me? They've learned how to do that. So I'm going to give you kind of a remedy, how to be more patient with people. Are you ready for this today? I'm going to give you the remedy. Remember, number one, how do you be more patient with people? Remember how patient God was with you. That ought to convict you. When you become impatient with people, man, you guys are quiet. I don't know what it is. When you become impatient with people, you need to remember how patient God was with you. Again, the scripture says love is patient or long-suffering. Actually, what that word is describing, again, it has to do with people, and it has to be with the ability to be patient with other people. In other words, when you've been wronged and wronged again, you have the power to retaliate, but you don't even do it. It is a word that says long-tempered. Okay, not short food, but long-tempered. That's what that scripture is saying. And so when we think about God, he's patient with us. He's got a long temper. Now look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.6. 6. It says, we prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, 
our kindness by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. So Paul is describing the characteristic of a good heart. It's purity, it's kindness, it's patience by the Holy Spirit within us. Then he talks about the characteristic of a Christian mannerism. He said in Ephesians 4, 2, everyone ought to be characterized by meekness and loneliness and long-suffering, which means patience. So God is saying, or the scripture is saying to us, uh, that a part of our characteristic needs to have the ability to have long-suffering because the Holy Spirit models that. In fact, part of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, uh, and patience. Supposed to be the fruit of the Spirit. Romans 2, 4 says, Do you despise the riches of his goodness, tolerance, and patience? Not, not, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. So God has been so patient with us, uh, but yet we're despising his goodness. Uh, we're despising uh, uh, how God has been patient with us. Uh, and here's another scripture. You can write this down, Second Peter 3, 9, that God is so patient, not willing that any of us should perish, uh, but all of us should come to repentance. That's how patient God has been with you. He's waited for you. How long did God wait for you to get saved? He was patient with you. You were walking away from God. You were despising God, and God was patient. People were praying for you. So if you're looking for someone today to be patient with, think about how patient God is with you. Think about Jesus. The Bible says in Scripture that he could have at any time called a legion of angels to defend him. But the Bible says he took the torment. He took the pain. He was long-suffering. He was on the cross. And not only did he do, the, did he do that, but he forgives them. Can you imagine a church today that would be like that, that we would be patient with people, that we wouldn't let people get under our skin so easily, that we wouldn't get so angry so quickly? Am I talking to anyone here today? There's an example of a guy named Robert Ingersoll, and he was a brilliant atheist, if you can call it that. Uh, he was ca- classified as brilliant. He lived in the last century, and he stopped. Uh, often he would stop like he would do many times during his lecture because he would talk against God and say that there is no God and all these different things. And so several times during his lecture, he would say, I'll give God five minutes to strike me dead for all the things that I've said. And so he would put his clock on and, you know, he wouldn't die. And so he said, see, I told you there is no God. And uh, they asked this theologian by the name of Theodore Parker, what do you think about what he does? He, and he just smiled. He said, and did this gentleman think that he could exhaust the patience of God, the eternal God, in five minutes? Hey, God is just patient, right? He said, oh, man, I'm waiting for you to repent one day. I'm waiting for you to come back. People are praying for you, right? Yeah. He goes, I, you know, I, I, you can't exhaust the patience of God. Aren't you glad that God's been patient with us? Aren't you glad that he was patient with you? 
of all the wrong and all the things that we did, God was patient. And yet throughout the Bible, if you look in the Old Testament, God was patient with the people of Israel. How many times did they rebel against him? And you can see they went to idols, they repent, they come back. They went to idols, they repent, they came back. God over and over is patient with people. He's loving people and he's showing his long suffering for people. Because he loves people that much, he's patient with them. So I want to say to you that all of us need to look at Christ as that example of patience. Romans fifteen seven says, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. So when we accept people, we're being patient with people. That's the second way that we can learn to be patient is we got to listen. They listen. Remember that little kid? Listen, listen, Linda. Listen, Linda. Listen, Linda. Remember that in Facebook? He was telling his mom, listen, Linda, listen, Linda. Sometimes we need to listen a little bit. And here's what it says, Proverbs 19 and 11. It says, a man's wisdom gives him patience. Proverbs 14, 29, a patient man has great understanding. Now, a display of great understanding and wisdom is that you're patient. When you're not patient, you're displaying you're not as wise and you're not as understanding as you think you are. The Bible said the patient man is, has wisdom and understanding. We have to begin to learn. We have to begin to get an understanding. Here's what I've learned about people. Sometimes, uh, it really what I've learned is hurt people hurt people. So when people are trying to hurt me, I try to understand where they're coming from. When people are trying to say things, I say, you know, that person's been damaged. That, that person's been rejected, and therefore he's trying to put off that rejection on me. That person's been hurt, so therefore they want to hurt me. Uh, you've got to get some wisdom. You've got to listen to what they're saying. You've got to hear. You've got to be patient. You don't just react. You respond. It's a response team, not a reaction team, right? We're not reacting to people. We're responding to people. We're understanding where they're coming from uh, so we can prayerfully, amen, and carefully respond to who they are. Proverbs 18.13 says, those who answer before they listen are foolish and disgrace. How many times people are trying to, and you're not patient to listen to the whole story. You jump the gun. You open your mouth before you listen to the whole thing. All of us have been guilty of that, including me. Can I just raise my hand by myself then? I, I've done it. That's why I heard this, this quote. It said, God gave us two ears and one mouth. That means we should listen twice as much as we should talk. Here's this illustration it's about a bullfrog. It said, God made the bullfrog with a muscle that sends the vibrations to its brain that cancels out the croaking sound. So when a bullfrog croaks, he can't hear it. The two vibrations cancel each other out. He can't hear his obnoxious sound that he's making. So every time he croaks, his, his brain cancels it out. So here's the principle. It's hard to listen when you open your big mouth. Tell your neighbor, don't be a bullfrog, right? Don't be a bullfrog, man. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. I don't know if you know that song. We, 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 we have to listen. We have to be good listeners this morning. Uh, we have to learn how to listen. They, they found that, that 7% of, of, of communication uh, has to do with words. In other words, sometimes this morning, it's not even listening to the words. It's listening to the tone and the volume of how this person is talking. Not even the words sometimes. 
That's why they say it's better not to talk on the phone because you're not seeing the person's reaction. They said 50% of communication is lost on the phone. Because really, the other 50% has to do with your physical expression, your gestures, your body language. That's why it's good to come to church and watch the preacher as I'm talking, right? So you can get the expression of what I'm saying. You can understand exactly what I'm trying to express to you. This is why this morning it's so critical that we learn how to listen. And the last thing here, and I'm going to pray, is that we have to be willing to make allowances for each other. You know, because sometimes people are going to let us down, like I said. Look at what the Bible says, Ephesians 4, 2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults. Because what? Of your love. So when people let us down this morning, when people do things to get under our skin, we need to give some room to those people. You know, sometimes... uh, even, even me and my wife will tell you, during conference, man, I, I'm on edge. Before conference, I'm on edge. I'm on edge about a lot of things. And so my wife makes allowances for me that week because she knows that I'm on edge. There's a lot of things that got to get done. There's a lot of things, uh, you know, that, that are happening. You know, sometimes we need to make allowances for people. You know, there's a lot of ha- things happening in that person's life. Give them, give them some room. Be patient with them. Can you say amen? Be a little bit more forgiving. Understand again that Christ forgave us. That Christ this morning gave us some room this morning. And as we do that, I'll tell you what, we can touch the world. There are people this morning, maybe even at your job, maybe the store that you go to, maybe the family members that are around you this morning, give, make some allowances. Give a little bit of patience. Maybe pray for them today. Maybe, maybe display a little bit of love. And when we do that, I'll tell you what, it'll go a long way. So let's pray. And uh, let's just pray. Ask the Lord to help. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for grace. We thank you for the patience that you displayed to our lives today. We thank you, God, because you're merciful. You're kind. God, today, if it wasn't for you, where would we be? If it wasn't for your patience, God. We wouldn't be saved. You tolerated our rebellion. You tolerated our sinfulness for a time. And God, in just the right moment, we got saved because you were so patient and so loving toward us today. And so we're thankful for that. Help us to display that to other people. God, to give that out, to love other people and be patient with people today. So Father, reach out across this room right now by your spirit. So with every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment, today God's reaching out to you. He's been patient with some of you today. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe it's the first time watching online. Whoever you are today, God the loving God, he's the patient God. He looks out this morning. The Bible says he draws us by his spirit. He's constantly tugging at our hearts. And today I want to point you to his love today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him, that's whoever you are, believes in him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. So God, in his patience, in his love, in his grace, by his spirit today, is reaching out to you. He's been patient with you. That's why you've come. You're here today. It took so long for you to get here. 
God brought you here. I believe God, the one that set it up, and he's reaching out to you. Or if you're watching online as well. So whoever you are, whatever life, walk of life you come from, God's reaching out to you and in love. So if you're in this room right now, say, Pastor, I need God's love. I need, I need to receive God in my life. I need, I need God in my life because we all do. The Bible says without God, we, we, we perish. It says for God, again, uh, those that are in sin, those that have not repented, man, are going to perish, the Bible says. The Bible said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so whoever you are today, receive him in your life. He loves you. He's reaching out to you right now. There's none righteous. No, not even one. You're not good enough to make it to heaven on your own. You need God in your life today. And his love today is reaching out to you. So whoever you are in this building, right now, if you're watching online, whoever you are, you say, Pastor, I need God in my life. I need the Lord in my life today. Would you pray for me? I need Jesus in my life. We just raise your hand real quick and say, Pastor, that's me. I need the Lord in my life, whoever you are right now throughout this building. Amen. Over here on my right, God bless you. God bless you right down here. Thank you. Anybody else, you're not going to be alone. You need the Lord in your life right now. You're not here by coincidence. God brought you here. You say, man, I need the Lord in my life today. Who are you? Who are you right now? I said, that's me. That's me. I need God in my life right now. You haven't raised your hand, but you'd raise it up right now. So that's me. I need the Lord. Just raise your hand. God bless you. Someone back there, the child back there. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else, before I change the order of the service, you need the Lord in your life? Maybe you were once walking with God. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you. Right over here on my right. Anybody else? Anybody else? Maybe at one time you were walking with God, but you're away from God today, and you need to come back to the Lord. You need to come back to the Lord. You know who you are. We're not here to condemn anybody. We're not here to tear you down. We're here to build you up. We're here to tell you that God loves you, cares about you. This is the way he loves us. He loves you. Anybody else here right now? I said, man, I was once walking with God. I need to come back to the Lord. Who are you right now? I need to rededicate my life. Right here, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? That's me. I need to come back. I need to come back. I need, I need, to, I need to come back to God today. I, I need to just restore my relationship with God. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? God bless you. You raise your hand. Look up at me real quick. You mean that right here? You mean that? God bless you. Mean that? Thank you. Thank you. Over here. Why don't we all stand together? If you raise your hand right now, you're standing. Would you just come right here and meet me? Would you just come right down here and meet me? Come, anyone, come with them. Come, come right here. Come with them right now. Back over there. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. God bless you. God bless you. Several people coming. God bless you. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for coming. Good to see you. Anybody else? Anybody else? We just want to pray with you. We're not here to embarrass anyone. Look at all these people getting saved. Isn't that awesome this morning? I said, isn't that the greatest thing happening? So we appreciate all of you coming. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And why why don't we all bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. And I'm going to lead you folks in a prayer today. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's the attitude of your heart. And I want you to say this prayer, not to me or anyone else. But I want you to say this prayer to God. So repeat this prayer and mean it with your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me and rose again. I ask you, Lord, to come in my heart to forgive me 
of all my sins. Be Lord of my life. Change my life. Make me a new person. From this day forward, I will serve you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray for them. Father, reach across this place right now. I pray for the love of God. I pray for the grace of God. I pray for the forgiveness of God to come across this room and touch every life that has come forward. Every person this morning that has made that commitment to you, I pray for the love and the grace right now. God, you've been patient. And God, you brought them here today because you're reaching out to them. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you for your grace over them in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's just worship as they continue to pray. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.